welcome to Talk With Me. This is Marsha Epstein in Lawrence, Kansas. And it's cold today. It's January and it's cold and it's beautiful. And it's 2017. And for Talk With Me, that means our new shows are going to iTunes and Google Play Music. Getting kind of hoity-toity here. Woo! The 2015 and 2016 shows are still at Mixcloud. So don't lose track of this. We've got some amazing people who've been part of this show over the years of this show. Uh, And I'm excited because there are these little things that happen that bring some of them together in the same space. And that's what's going to happen here with my guest today and some other people who've been on the show are going to be performing together soon here in Lawrence, Kansas on January 12th. So I am excited to introduce and meet Krista Siglin. Hey, Sig- hey, hey Siglin. No, hey, Krista. What <laughs> 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 last name. Where'd that come from? <laughs> How are you this fine morning? Uh, pretty good. Um, you just reminded me of several teachers I've had, especially in high school, like, hey, Siglin. <laughs> <laughs> Stop doodling, doodlehead. Uh, no, no, no. Doodle, right. Daydream. It's all good. <laughs> <laughs> so tell us a little bit of background about you and sort of, I know, because I got filled in a little bit by Jameson Bales. Shout out to Jameson Bales, a wonderful poet and connector there in Kansas City. But tell our listeners a little bit about you. Um, well, I grew up in Greenfield, Iowa, and I moved to Kansas City uh, to study. Well, at the time when I moved here, I just uh, went to go to the Art Institute, and then I later found out, oh, I'm going to study painting and creative writing. Um, But I didn't necessarily know that's what I was going to do. I just knew that um, I really wanted to study art, and I knew that it was a big field, but I didn't realized just how big (laughs) and so um yeah i i think um that's a big part of my background um i'm pretty fresh out of the art institute i um, graduated in 2015 and so now i'm in a phase where i'm trying to figure out how to balance being a person Um, (laughs) how to be a person who um, has to make things all the time Um, (laughs) and it's it's tricky and I have like new admiration for people who have been out of school or never went to school and just like sort of intuitively know how to make that balance and um, it's 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 exciting and kind of uh, anxiety ridden. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and I don't know about this balance thing. If people are really good at it, or we just see enough glimpses that we assume they are, Krista. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's just like we peer out from our own experience, and um, everybody else's looks like sort of cohesive and and figured out, but you know they're not maybe they're maybe they're just as confused or um frazzled as we are (laughs) 
it's very possible. It's very possible because I know, I'm sure we know a lot of people in common and, and more generally that people that I know in this part of the country who are making art, whether it's word art, dancing, performing, you know, whatever kinds of art, writing, different things that they do, unfortunately, most of them also have to have, as I might say, a day job to pay the bills. And so, yep. <laughs> you know, so, so it's, it's making sure that you keep enough time for you and your art and don't get lost. I've seen, I've, I think about a friend, I'll give a shout out to Sam Foster, who is a friend and a painter who went to Milwaukee um, for his art degree. And then like, okay, I've got this school debt and I've got to work a job. And suddenly the job consumes the time and the art is not being done. And that doesn't make for a very happy artist. <laughs> so then yeah. you gotta figure out, no, I need to be doing my art. That's who I am. I have a job that pays some money, but I am an artist. And so to make sure that that stays in your life in a regular basis is super important. And I'm proud of Sam because he's back to painting. Yay, Sam Foster. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I don't know if that's the kind of balance you're talking about, you know, that, that you need to be doing your art as well as doing the stuff that pays your bills. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I mean, as we speak, I, I already told you, but I'm I'm locked in an accounting office hiding <laughs> from my coworkers. Um, but yeah, I I think um, with transitioning out of school, I I think I've learned that the best way for myself to keep up with my art and also stay sane and, and pay the bills is to like try to be present with every moment and ask myself, what do I need from this moment? Because if I sit and, and think about uh, two years from now, or even like tomorrow, I get busy with like, I don't know if I'm going to make it work. I don't know if I'm going to have time for myself. And then a minute later, I'll realize, well, the time that I'm worrying about tomorrow could be spent working on art for today <laughs> so uh -huh. it, it, it helps to just keep keep yourself aligned with with right now yeah even though think, it's yeah. hard <laughs> well i think that's a lesson a life lesson in general that you know when we when we start spinning our wheels about the what ifs about things that could happen in the future we aren't being in the moment. We are not making good use of our time and energy. And so sometimes we have to reel that back in and go, wait a minute, but in this moment, I am walking and I can see these amazing things growing and smell the different scents because my dog just pooped or whatever. <laughs> We, we could get back to where we are and it's, and it's good for us. You know, we, we hear so much about mindfulness and meditation and things like that. And, and I think we need to also remember we hear about it because it's really good for us. <laughs> well, I, you know, I, I was always um, 
fairly skeptical or at least like suspicious of of meditation because I, I felt like my mind was too busy for it. And I was like, I, I think everybody might be full of crap. Like, I don't think anyone can actually do this. And then I, I listened to uh, Pema Ch- Chodron um, uh-huh. and she she's like this awesome sort of spunky old lady monk and she she um talks about meditation as just sort of inviting everything in and not it, it doesn't mean that your mind is quiet it it just means that you're not barring anything from passing through and i like that idea of meditation it's not like you're imposing this false serenity on yourself it's actually like you can let the turbulence in, you can um, feel really uncomfortable, like the feelings of great unease. It's all allowed in that space. And, and as a person who kind of like, for some reason, I think I just drink too much caffeine, like is battling with turbulence all the time. Um, I, I really dig that somebody has like, can talk about meditation that way because it makes me feel like, oh, maybe someday I can actually like talk myself into doing that regularly. Yes, yeah. I think that's a good point because I have that similar reaction. You know, all these articles that cross, you know, through social media or whatever, and a lot of them say the same kind of thing. It's like, oh, shut up. I'm sick of hearing about this stuff, you know? (laughs) Especially with that tone. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, then it's like, but I love, I love being able to pay attention to what's around me. And I, and I know that that is calming that when we stop that future anxiety stuff that's in our heads, that it's good. And so even thinking about it that way, just like paying attention and, and acceptance, you know, so yeah, I'm a social worker and I work with people through really hard stuff. And, and, and for example, last night was a meeting with our suicide bereavement group and whoever comes anytime it's it's a drop-in kind of thing it's not like you must come at the first time and go to eight sessions it's like be here when it's helpful to be here and talk about what you need to talk about and and one of the things that I realize in in all of my social work when I'm talking to people about you know how we deal with things and how I deal with things it's like you know what you feel however you feel there's nothing right or wrong about emotion we get to choose what we do about those emotions, you know, but, but when we try to fight, I'm feeling guilty. I'm feeling sad. I'm feeling angry. It's like, it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. So just go, Hey, Mm -hmm. I'm feeling really angry right now. And I'm going to carry that anger with me, but I'm also going to do this thing that I really want to do, which is, you know, and we can do that. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I, I, I feel as though like I've done the most damage to myself emotionally when there's something that I don't want to let in or like I know is buried down in there but I don't know it fully enough that I'm willing to actually take the steps to feel the thing and so like even though it's there I refuse to feel it and then that's when you know like habits of denial come in and um you know coping processes that aren't helpful like i i totally agree with you like the 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 moment you avoid 
the thing that you're feeling is is when it gets bigger and and far more like unmanageable. Yeah. So and I think that's why art's important. <laughs> exactly. That's this what I was going to ask. Tell me how you're creating art fits with that. You know what 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 is it that you're doing when you're creating art, whether it's visual art or writing? Well, um, I for a long time I didn't really know exactly what I was getting at. I was pretty. Um, I, I was pretty interested in, in at least my painting with trying to fit language, like a, a concepts found in language use, um, and and sort of built parallel between that and and visual work. Um, and I found that I couldn't make them intersect, but they were definitely parallel to me. And um, related but maybe not always touching and um i for a long time i said well my work is about ghosts and, and not like ghosts as in you know uh horror or, or terror or anything but like just something that um uh, like defies verb tense just is present and and we don't know when it's appeared and we don't know when it leaves and we don't know if it's active or passive but just like sort of energy presence like feeling something in the room and not being able to necessarily identify it okay. and um i thought a lot in within my uh writing at that time because i i knew that i wanted to write but i didn't know if they were poems i just wanted to talk about experience and and also presence and all i knew about that for myself was that it was not, it was really fragmented. And I just knew that like the way memory works is like you can align seemingly non-related things and build a relationship and, and there's a resonance there. And so I guess over time, I started to veer away from uh, thinking, you know, about phantasmagoria and stuff like that and, and, and thinking more and more about the, um, the presence of presence, like thinking about like how memories carry different energies and, and how they interact when they rub up together and, and how we attach memory to objects and memory to environment and, and sort of trying to play with it. I, I, I think like my work is strange in that like it kind of feels heavy but it, and, and like very emotionally infused but it's also playful it's playful for me um and I think there's like irony in it and and paradox because that's that's how I about experience like nothing is as coherent as we think it is um and I I think when it comes to <laughs> Yeah, I mean, like, or I might be projecting, like, I'm just not coherent, and I'm just projecting that on everything else. But like, um, I, I, I think, like, it, in terms of dealing with difficult emotions through my work, uh, at one point, a couple years ago, I just said out loud, without really thinking, my work's about trauma. And I was, I was like, wait, is it like, 
do I even have trauma? Why, why am I saying this? <laughs> and, and, and then like, uh, maybe like a year and a half later, I was like, oh crap, like I do have trauma. Like I, I I'm going to therapy right now. Uh, how did I know that? Like, and, <laughs> and so, um, kind of like, I, I, I think working visually simultaneously to um, writing is a really wonderful experience because things do kind of make themselves known to you before you can understand them. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you understand them and, and then you say, wait, I've always known this. And I think that's really interesting. And now when I think about that sort of moment of realization, I I think about things that I've read recently and in, in the recent past about, um, you know, memory about how I um, understand trauma. And trauma to me is like reliving an experience rather than just recalling it. And um, there's uh, Maurice Blanchot, who is a French philosopher, he, he wrote um, The Space of Literature. Um, he, he talks about memory as sort of uh, coming from a place of power over your own experience. Like w- when you remember something, you're saying to yourself, this has happened, it will never be again. And I think with my work, when I'm sort of sorting through experiences and matching different things up in different times and different environments, different objects. Um, it's a way for me to like take this feeling that I'm reliving, like this traumatic feeling that I'm reliving and, and put it into memory rather than reliving it. Like I'm, I'm beginning to recall it rather than relive it. And I feel power over that thing. And I, I hope my work invites other people to undergo that process because I do think it's really empowering. Mm-hmm. How, uh, how does the, the visual work um, and the writing work, like how does that, how do those fit together for you? And I guess I'm, I'm thinking from what you said that it might be that you might paint something and later write. Um, but I don't know that that's accurate. Well, um, I guess for a long time, I I really, really tried to smash them together. I was like, okay, I'm doing these two things. They have, they have to figure out how to live together. I'm going to split myself in two. Uh-huh. You know, like I, um, I just don't know how to, you know, spend my time. And when I was first starting to try to figure out how I might like fit my writing and and my visual work together. Um, she she said to me, "It's it's too bad that you're you're good at both because like I don't know how you're gonna figure out that. Like I don't know how you're gonna spend your time. I don't know how you're gonna master either one of them because uh, you're good at both, and I don't know how you're gonna make that decision." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Oh man, yeah, that's that's tough. I don't know." I don't know what to do here. And I guess like from there, I actually stopped trying to fit them together. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I try to just feel out more naturally which which 
form makes sense with what I'm trying to mm-hmm. get out or say. And um, I guess like for me, I, I, I don't need, I, I don't feel as though I need to make them meet anymore because they're, they're both from me. They're both um, coming from the same place of, of um, intense feeling and it, it bound up with experience. And um, I guess sometimes just naturally without thinking about it, I see, I see something in a painting that I've done in a poem and I, I, I guess like I never try to illustrate what I'm writing. I just, I kind of trust that it's going to pop back up again because some certain tropes kind of like repeat themselves in work in different ways. Like uh, no matter how hard you try to keep them out or, or bring them in, they just, they just show up over and over again. And so I, I kind of trust that. And um I, I don't. I, I, I right now. I right now. I don't feel like they need to be more strongly related. I I might change my mind later. I I certainly have sort of teetered back and forth on that. <laughs> my sense from what you're saying is that you're now at a point where you can accept that it's it's. I'll use the word intuitive. How it comes out of you, whether it comes out of you as a painting or as writing that it's not like a real conscious decision. I'm going to express this in this media, but it's just coming in the way it needs to. Yeah. And maybe I should mention, like, I, I, I really love to paint, but I, I also do installation work. I, I like to think sculpturally as well. And I, and I do a lot of drawing. And so I, I guess like knowing that, medium is ever shifting um i i kind of think about words like physically materially too i just like i guess conceptually it's easier for me to like bunch them in with everything else like well today is um a day where i'm working with plaster cloth or like today i i i want to edit this poem or today I, w- I want to go into studio and work with acrylic tomorrow maybe oil um i just i i feel as though with within literature there are a lot of uh questions as to like what the contemporary poem looks like or like what is the short story like are, are the poem and the short story the same like what's the difference between those things in a in a micro fiction or and like in painting in the field of painting it's like well we're talking about sculpture with the same verbiage as 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 we are that you know two-dimensional two-dimensional work on the wall and so with all of these forms sort of melting together with within like the way we talk about them i i guess now i'm i i realize that these distinctions i was trying to make so that i could figure out their similarities maybe maybe it's not so pertinent to me anymore as a question like there 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 are more important questions to me than like how are these things related 
So are we at a point where you might share some of your writing since, since we can't share your visual art on the radio? Um, yeah. Um, poetry that would be just let us really experience something that you do, that you've created. Yeah, I have a, I have a few in front of me. Um, I always have a hard time uh, choosing which ones because I, I I get playful and then I and then I don't know which ones actually represent my work. But uh, um, they, I some of your work they're just some examples of what you do. So how about that? Sure, sure. Um, all right, I will start with the fever of a house. We breathe in the river's upward size in order to feel what it means to be a thing that weeps through the senseless ages. We do this when we can, as we have no natural histories we are allowed to call our own. The landmarks we know of ourselves are largely unstudied by everyone except ourselves and each other when we can manage the courage to plead for the right to be seen large and impervious to discoloration of memories and photographs. To say we have come from anywhere is to speak through the crooked walls of a dream that we awoke from before finding out what happened to us and our mothers and fathers and to the sweethearts of a childhood that never existed. The houses we got to be little inside never belonged to us or to anyone. They had no reason to belong to us or to anyone. And so now at times we decide to behave as though we have no reason to belong to one another because our, our our hearts feel so rapidly changeable, as the climates of addicts through the unforgiving seasons do, as people move their things in and out of those corners and eventually through the door for good. When we want to leave the house, we do not know how to finish building. We put on our coats and then seem darling and turgid to one another into the paleness of the sky and the cold ground. The naked birches branches twist when they feel us coming to hide among them. These trees cannot count their own years. So as they live staunchly in the absence of forever, they pray for those who live in a time of fear. And so there's so, Im imagery and there, you know, for me, one of the things that, that is always really intriguing is what the poem sounds like when it's spoken aloud and one of the in latter parts of the poem you refer to the addicts and and as i hear that word i hear both the word addict as in the space in a home and addict as in a person who has become addicted to something which which is a whole other you know it, there's that whole other piece for me that that's part of why i i love hearing and then seeing the words on the page and being able to, to think about all of that. That's, you know, again, there's, there's so much imagery in your poem. And, and for me, it's like, I, I, wanna, I wanna see it and, and get to think about what the phrases and meanings are in a slower way. And so I, I really appreciate that, that it's, it's drawn me in and I want more. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, 
I do have more <laughs> in front yeah. of me, but um, I, I'm happy that uh, you mentioned sort of hearing how something exists spoken versus how it exists on the page, because that's that's been something that I've worked on and and focused on myself is is really trying to push how something is on the page because it's important that that existence means just as much as when it's spoken and and vice versa so i i appreciate you saying that yeah yeah and i'm gonna interrupt us right now so we'll take that quick break and then it sounds like you have another poem that you are ready to share so i'm gonna make our listeners just hang on <laughs> here you got to hear one you're gonna get to hear more um and we're gonna hear from a couple of the local lawrence kansas businesses that sponsor lawrencehits.com and i say a big Thank you to Daniel Smith, who produces the show. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, thank you. I sent him a whole bunch of questions again today. I'm so freaking annoying because that's like, I need to understand this. <laughs> so thank you for your patience. Thank you for your tech skills. Thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Krista Siglin. And we will be right back, listeners, with more Talk With Me. Welcome back to Talk With Me. This is Marsha Epstein, and my guest is Krista Siglin, who is both a creator of word art and art in other kinds of media. And we were talking a bit about how those art things come together, that they kind of decide for themselves whether they're going to be a painting or a poem. And you just shared that lovely poem, The Fever of a House. And I think we were saying that you just might share another poem right now. Is that right? Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Um... I think I will do short chapters. This is the name of the poem. Short chapters. One. I raced the sound, my own feet falling, a fit of flowers, tantrum's foot brace, no opponent, we fight for an audience. Two. I am held up, not breathing. I enter a house, party of gold people, I too gold, as I leave a falling night. My entrance is lit, the hallway breathes with me. First time in hours or days, I fall to the floor. Three. I do an apology waltz in the apology garden, wearing apology pants, apologetically swaying to the song of sorry, but I'm so sorry, I cannot go on sorry for long. Four. I want to be inside my rage, but invite myself 10,000 miles out. Even I feel the invitation dampened. Dawn is here with me. I've intoxicated myself and myself is now violent or just irrationally affectionate, sweet, hot, bitter. Almost puts me back into the world, but I lie down on the ground, rest with the sun, remembering its face to the horizon, the shape of everything answering the shape of a new day and it rolls over, pressing me down. Five. Once I had a very lovely, a very nice time in the color of tree excre excretions, like Vermont's fall, 
Although I have never been there, I knew what it was, that sick, slow, and going down feeling, being in confidence. I knew nothing except that my love was once a sap, a thing everywhere close to everything, even my short fingers, so much touching. Even the finest items inside your mother's home, and you, now, outside her body, yet never reaching out of her mind, and so I moved in. Six. Dry. Cracked again. An examination of my toenails. I find gross standing with myself. I am a sniff for anything. Dirt and scant seeds. Tender-headed dandelions, tired by bully August, incessant, slow. How strange to see ugly in a gentle light. How strange to see my feet loved by you. How strange seeing you are mine now. I stand tall and lovely above now, my nameless toes. emotions of different kinds in there. I, I love those short chapters. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Tell about those shows, that's delightful. There's that combination of things in there. Like you said, some some playfulness and some seriousness and some both. And then and then my weird brain goes, my love was once a sap. That is a very interesting phrase. <laughs> <laughs> I was thinking about like, you know, it's like, it's really sweet. But, like, it can be really annoying. It's sticky, and, like, you can't get it out of the bottle. And then once it finally comes out of the bottle, it just rushes out. Like, <laughs> That's great. Yeah, so that, that to me is what poetry is about. It's this huge amount of meaning in, in small groups of words, you know, that it's different than the, the luxury of, of fiction or nonfiction where you get lots of background words, you know, to, to set up this image. And in poetry, it's like it, it hits you quickly. It's beautiful. So, yeah, I want to ask a little bit of, in terms of you and your art again. Like, have you, you mentioned that when you came to the Kansas City Art Institute that, that you knew you wanted to study art, but you probably didn't realize how big art is, how, how much there is, how many possibilities there are. When did you start identifying as, as somebody who, like, I need to make art, you know, I need to write, I need to draw, I need to, whatever it is. Like, when did that become? Well, I don't want to, I don't want to brag or nothing, but like, there's <laughs> a really adorable picture of me when I was four years old with a watercolor set. Um, oh, but, yeah. Um, so I guess that is to say, like, really early on, I was interested in, in not, not just, you know, painting or, or visual arts, but just the arts. Um, my mom, my mom is a, or she's retired now, but she, she was a choral instructor. So, um, singing and piano and, and all all that just always around and and my dad um he's a science teacher and and you know also has a very curious mind and always had uh you know van gogh prints around the house um i guess like i i was lucky being 
in in my family having my parents um, be who they were, even though we were, you know, kind of sequestered in, in rural Iowa, um, still feeling that my, my appetite for, for art um, sort of nourished and, and encouraged. Um, so for a really long time, I, 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 in school, I got admonished for being a doodlehead, as I mentioned in the beginning, but just like always, always had a pencil in hand, um, kind of fluctuating between like an actual interest and then like sort of a hobby that I infuse all of my nervous energy into. But I think the only time that I ever considered not being like a visual artist or a writer was when I considered going to school to study playing the French horn. Um, and then before that, when I was eight years old and thought I would be a ballerina scientist artist. All right. So just like, <laughs> I, I kind of narrowed it down a little bit. But um, <laughs> uh, when I when I went to the Art Institute, I, I had it in my head that I was gonna go into illustration um, because I thought it would be easier to find a job, which, you know, um, when my dad was sending me off to school, that was something he was very worried about. Like, are you going to be a starving artist? Yeah. <laughs> and so uh, it, I was encouraged to like look into illustration. Um, but m at the end of my freshman year, I had a teacher, uh, Caleb Taylor. Uh, he he said, Krista, you know, you don't have to go into illustration. To get a job um, it seems like you would really probably get along better temperament wise uh, in painting or, or printmaking and that kind of that I guess the way he said it was so uh, simple and shocking to me that like I immediately dropped illustration as, <laughs> as an option um, Although I, I will say, like, I have a lot of friends who took the illustration route and they are immensely talented and I don't think I can do what they can do. Um, I, I just, I have, uh, at school sometimes there's like weird feuds within the departments and I just want to say <laughs> every department is uh, very strong, very like full of immensely talented people. Um, but for me, I, I realized that I might be a little bit like too bonkers, like to take <laughs> instructions or like, I just like, <laughs> I'm not patient enough. I like, I am messy. Like, mm -hmm. uh, and I, I like, you know, dipping my hands in ink and smearing them everywhere and then reacting to the ink, the, the mess that I just made. And it, and it seems like the <laughs> illustration department didn't really want that sort of behavior. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's the reference to temperament being a better fit for painting or printmaking. <laughs> yeah. I mean, they didn't really want that in printmaking either. So I was like, oh, okay, got to go to painting. They'll let me like muck up my studio space. <laughs> I was telling somebody else I, that I had, had a friend who I, I met when he was getting his MFA and his, his main genre was collage. And so the first time I ever went to the space, his studio space, he was like, oh, my God, you work in a collage. 
Yeah, right, right. Layers, layers. This is amazing. Reference on top of reference on top of reference on top of reference on <laughs> the walls, I would guess. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> yeah, art is important. And that's, you know, for me, part of featuring artists on the show is that I think art is so important to our well-being, to our connectedness, to our building empathy, to our learning things, you know, that that that's what really makes a difference. Stories, whether they're through dance or words or a painting or whatever, that that I think that's that's how we really open our minds to things that we need to understand better. And so I I, I love that. There's a lot of different kinds of art, a lot of people doing art. And and my hope is that that's not my hope. My belief is that that's part of what's going to get us through the next four years. <laughs> yeah. 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 I I certainly feel the same way. Um, I also think that it's incredibly important right now to, I, I mean, I, I, I think like working on digital art is 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 a really interesting um way to go about it but i i think right now uh it is really important for people to sort of unplug from that and and engage in something physically or um you know with writing it, it maybe it doesn't necessarily feel very physical but it's still sort of Engaging in the essential solitude, where where you're you're kind of doing uh, gymnastics in your mind, like like rolling around trying to um, fit your own experience together, and that and you can't. I, I I don't think you can always do that online because you don't feel alone. You feel like everyone's watching, and I think right now like you said, uh, it's really important for people to like work through all of these complicated feelings and reactions to the, the, the hot mess happening everywhere. (laughs) And I think, um, unplugging and, and engaging in, in something physical and like, you know, for, for once in your, in, in like, a frustrating day being able to impose your will on something you know and and like shape it into something that feels good to you that like is asking questions that you want or you know just like is something that that you've had a hand in and um I, i i think that is what saves us and it, it's it's what helps us remain like open and, and inquisitive for one another like what what do you mean by this and 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 maybe for a minute because it's it's not like you aren't the thing being sort of poked and prodded at like it's it's you've externalized it like when somebody asks a question about it it can and an earnest question and uh maybe we don't get triggered like maybe maybe we feel earnestness coming our way and like we can we can answer in the like like well yeah I I meant this like rather than sometimes in conversation or even on social media like one thing after another, after another, after another, it just feels like a jab. Like everyone, everyone gets really uh, t- 
tight and, and hurt and like attacked. And I think art gives us an opportunity to sort of externalize stuff. So it doesn't always feel like an attack. We can, we can just be very curious and, and, yeah. and have real conversations rather than, um, uh, you know, uh, w- rather than throwing vegetables. I always think about it yeah. as like, um, you know, <laughs> Um, putting someone in the in the shackles and throwing vegetables at them, I, I think it's it, it can be pretty. Uh, mm, unforgiving. Uh huh. And and to me, when you when you throw out that image of the shackles and having vegetables thrown, I think that's a way of visualizing what it's like for people when they become defensive, they feel attacked in that way. You know, you're making me stand here and throw vegetables at me. And so I'm not going to pay attention to anything you have to say. Whereas, whereas when, when we kind of sneak up on somebody, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, where they're enjoying this thing and then suddenly it gets them sort of thinking about something a little differently than they had anticipated. That's really powerful and really good. And so let's let's talk a little bit more about you are going to be here on Thursday, January 12th at the Raven Bookstore in downtown Lawrence. And and I know that Jameson Bales, who is this this wonderful person and poet and and sort of promoter of poetry and poets, um, I know that he's the host of this show. How did how did you get involved? How did you connect with Jameson and this lovely crew? And and tell people more about what's going to happen on the twelfth. So I'm throwing out a whole bunch of questions. Um, <laughs> well, uh, J- Jameson found me, I think, um, and I I I guess I, I've been ducking in and out of the KC poetry scene for four years I when I was a sophomore in college it was when I started showing up to readings and then eventually mustering up the courage to to read and and in part that was because I knew Chris Applequist um from working together with her at at YJ's snack bar (laughs) um so there's a plug for you david ford um but uh yeah so we we worked together and um she uh, she and i humorously would talk about poetry and and various other things and um eventually she invited me to go to a reading of hers and i went and i was like hey like dang i think this is really interesting like i think being around people with a lot of ideas but from different backgrounds is exactly what I need to break out of my sort of academic bubble right now. Mm-hmm. And so um, I started going to those and um, reading and I, I have Iris to thank for a lot of that. Um, and then, you know, recently I, I, I haven't known Jameson for very long, um, but he, uh, I think got, my email from Iris and we, we started a correspondence and uh, we get along really well and ha- like uh, are able to ask each other um, interesting questions and, and sort of meditate on, not meditate, but uh, 
consider them carefully. And it, it's, it's been a really interesting dialogue. And he's uh, sort of in turn uh, been a champion for saying like, do you want to read at this thing? Do you want to do this? Like, do you, uh-huh. like, let's take you over here. Or like, how about this uh, interview with Marsha Epstein? And I was like, whoa, 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 whoa. Why? Why? <laughs> wait, wait, like, uh, I wasn't ready. Like, uh, okay, though. Sure. <laughs> All right. And so tell us about January 12th. What's that? Tell us about January 12th. This reading. Um, well, I know that I'm going to go and I'm going to be around <laughs> people that I really like. Um, <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I mean, I, I'm always excited about Iris's work and I, and I love hearing her read it. Um, just, you know, f- full of sort of unyielding um intensity and fire and and yet like a vulnerability and i'm so excited to hear her read again and steph french is amazing as well like Mm -hmm. like and i've heard them read together before and they've got beautiful chemistry in terms of um you know putting putting words into the same space it's it's wonderful um and mark i've never read with before another um uh, the other uh sorry oh gosh his name i'm i'm a dunce uh well the the reading is with steph french and iris applequist uh, and you christy and then mark mark yeah and eric mchenry who's the current poet laureate okay yeah, I I I could remember McHenry, but I couldn't remember his first name, and I didn't want to do the thing where I shout out his last name like, like I um, did at the beginning yeah. of the show. Hey, yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I kept wanting to call him Paul for something uh, for some reason. I I don't he's know there. what my brain's doing. He's the um, tall but, one of this crew, man. He's he's like because Mark is not very tall, and you know it's like this is it's gonna be a, a yeah. <laughs> he just Eric just did a performance where it was labeled, I think, two tall poets reading or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I I've I've not read with him and I I did um go online and and, and look through some of his work and I, I think uh-huh. it's gonna be a really I think it's gonna be a really interesting mashup. Um Yes. I, I've heard Mark read several times, but I've never read with him. And I, I, I am, I'm curious about this group's chemistry. I think it'll be yeah. really fun. Yeah, yeah. And I think that you all have, you each have a following. And so it'll be interesting to see who actually is able to make it into that space of the Raven Bookstore. Because maybe they're coming because Eric McHenry is the poet laureate and they're expecting some big stuffed shirt, which he's not at all. But maybe they get in the door and then they hear everybody's like, man, this is so cool. I'm glad I did this. Which gets back to me of that whole thing about get offline and get in person with people. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I am in agreement about that. I yeah. Uh, although I will say sometimes it's hard to get there in person if you don't have 
like something online to like, you know, put your little like antenna or feelers out online because I, I kind of, I stepped away from Facebook and now I'm just like, so what's happening? Don't tell me yeah. what's happening. I don't know what's yeah. happening. <laughs> like, yeah. where do I go right now? Yeah. Um, because yeah. I, I, I love showing up for, for people, for events or whatever but sometimes it is hard to figure out what's going on if you if you don't plug in a little bit yeah and i agree with you i think that that is really important and also i i as i had said you know get out in person i also realize that there are times when it's just not a reality for people that that they're there maybe it's you know health barriers maybe it's specifically mental health barriers and it's just like, i can't do this you know sometimes it's transportation so there are a lot of different reasons so i'm not by any means um wanting to be insensitive when it's just not a reality for people to get out but for those who can and when we can it's so good to be in the room with people and and poetry readings are one of those things that for a lot of people, if you've never experienced it, your your guess is probably very different than the reality, at least the reality of, of readings that I've been at, which are very welcoming, very informal, really personal and wonderful, an opportunity to hear. There's something so special about hearing a person reading from their own work, you know, and seeing mm-hmm. them, watching them. And then, you know, when you're inspired and have the ability to buy a book and get that person to sign it and, and have that other tangible connection with them. And then you go home and you read these words again and you hear what it was when they were saying it and, you know, in the reading and, and you think about your own mm. reading of it. And it's just, it's just this lovely thing that lasts in a way that's different from, as I'm tending to say, that expensive cup of coffee that you could buy as an alternative. Like, we're going to have a cup of coffee and buy some poetry. <laughs> I I agree with that. And um, I, I mean, it's exciting, too, because, like, when you do enough books at readings like this of, of po- like, I I have a whole shelf on my bookshelf of of books of poetry from people I, I've seen in person yes, and and yeah. and maybe so, some of them are my friends and and yeah. like lots of them have like scribbles from from the person who wrote it inside yeah. of it and um it's it's really beautiful to like look at it and of books and know that there are people behind them because I, I yeah. think like sometimes yeah I, I like you read Moby Dick and you're like so astonished by the craft of the thing and like how beautifully it's written you forget that melville poops too you know <laughs> you forget that he was a person and and i i think <laughs> when when you realize that people make art people poems yeah. then you you remember that you can too and 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 that's when when you can sort of step back and appreciate your own magic, you mm-hmm. know, magic from even the middle of, of mundane, you know, and yeah. I think that's, that's what's hopeful. I mean, like Einstein worked in a clock shop for a while and I don't imagine he was super, um, you know, engaged all the time. I, I think it's <laughs> important uh, 
when when you're like even when you're bored to find a reason to see magic and right now i i'm kind of speaking to myself <laughs> you know and i i think going to these readings and and seeing seeing the poets themselves doing that is is really encouraging and 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 definitely fuel to keep keep going keep doing it yeah 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 so the the time that we're talking about that's coming right up after this show has broadcast is Thursday, January 12th, starting at 7 p.m. at the lovely and very welcoming Raven Bookstore on East 7th Street in Lawrence, Kansas. And I will say Raven hosts many different readings and features books by local authors, a great poetry section and more wonderful supportive community that Heidi Rock, the, the owner of Raven, really has there for people who really love words. Um, so thanks to them. And thanks to Jameson Bales for pulling together this cast of wonderful characters to perform on the 12th. And Krista, you know, this has just been great to, to get to talk, get to know you a bit, to hopefully intrigue people with your poetry that you shared. Um, you heard a couple of poems, you can hear more. And and I know there's things coming up, you know, that we can watch events um, on Facebook, like you said, on the, I, I put a little, you know, when I find out about things and people post things on a page called Voice of Lawrence Poetry, Uptown Arts Bar and Prospero's Books and the Writer's Place in Kansas City are great places that do so many wonderful readings that host those. They're just, you know, just kind of start networking, which is what social media is about. But get in the room with people when you can. Krista, I am looking forward to hopefully being in the room with you and and uh, hearing more of your words. Thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, it was wonderful. Thank you so much. And I, I hope I hope I get to meet you. That'd be great. Yeah. And listeners, maybe we'll meet some of you too. If you're in this area, come on by. And thanks for listening, folks. And so long. <laughs>